Good morning. How, how are we doing? Good. Man, I mean, great, right? We just sang about the great I am and what a wonderful name of Jesus. My goodness. And, and if you've been following along the readings with us, Exodus, you heard God declare, I am who I am, the great I am. And then when you see hints of in the specific analogy of this Passover lamb, the sacrificial stuff, like I me, mean, you just can't help but think about Jesus. And this is believers. We read these stories. These are our stories. They come in and say, wow, hold on. What a beautiful name. Man, it is so exciting to gather and worship together. Uh, You know, we talk about how we're a church that says uh, we worship God passionately. We connect with each other authentically. We grow to know God deeply, and we go and declare the gospel boldly. And and that starts so much with worship. The crux of what we do is worship, to look to God and understand that He is above all. I mean, we have such a limitation of language and limitation of knowledge, and, and we're working so hard to understand His Word and to follow Him, but ultimately, He is above. He must become greater. We must become less. And so that's what we do. We gather. We sing songs together. And, and in case you haven't heard this in a long time, we sing songs both vertically and horizontally. Man, when we're singing these songs, it's not just, you know, Charlie and a few people singing, how great God is, the great I am, but we're also singing to each other. Say, so, hey, remember, 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 remember who He is, because we we're going to forget. We're going to struggle. That's why we gather. Uh, if you could grab your Bible and turn to Exodus. We've been going through the Bible, and every week you're going to kind of see this. Uh, whether or not you're following along in the readings, more on that later. We're, we're going to keep pushing, following this. You know, we encourage you to step in. We're in Exodus now, um, and we've read through uh, Exodus 1 through 20 or 21, I believe, and uh, we've read through so far Genesis, uh, half of about half of Exodus, and then all of Job. But we encourage you to step in. Every Sunday we'll kind of give you a synopsis of where we're at, and then where we feel the Spirit wants us to land, to talk about as a church. That morning morning, and then at the end of the service, we'll kind of talk about where we're going. Um, But grab a Bible, get into Exodus 1, and and we'll go from there. Let's pray together. God, I ask right now that your Spirit would speak to us as we read your Word. We accept that you are... You are good. You're the only good. And, and we consistently uh, bring evil and brokenness, and, and we see evil and brokenness around us. You tell us that you're bringing good from evil, uh, that you're, you're working things out for good. Show us how to look to you. May we submit all of our rebellion, our evil, our, uh, our punishment, our judgment, things that we deserve. May we look to you, submit those to you because of Jesus. God, may your spirit move and illuminate scripture to us as we read. Thank you for your great love for us. Amen. So as we start in Genesis, God creates good things, right? That's what he does. Um, He speaks 10 times, more on that later, and he calls things good seven times. I never know where to put this. I'm just always going to put it somewhere, and if someone hates it, you can just give me this whole... That's stupid, and I'll move it. So, uh, thank you. Um, so, so that's what we're good. Chalkboard, huh? Um, so, God creates good things. He speaks ten times. He calls seven things good. Ten and seven become kind of themes in Scripture. One of the things you're going to hear as we talk through this, I mean, we're doing like 30,000 feet over Scripture. Because we're reading all of it this year. Because we believe the Bible is one unified story that points to King Jesus. And we want to see that together. We want to read it. We don't want it to be this big, mysterious lump of thing that you're like, ah, 
God creates stuff, and then prophets and Leviticus and whatever happened with plagues. But then Jesus, we want to connect it, want to read it together. But that means because we're flying, right, some things are going to get missed, right? And so if you have questions, if you read things, and you're like, wait a minute, what is this deal with Zephora and foreskin? And like, what in the world is going on here? If you have questions, bring them, right? Because either this is the word of God, and he's trying to speak to us, and it's true, right? Or you figured out that it's all wrong and we're all idiots and we need to talk about it. And praise God that that you're the one that's going to illuminate things that we've been missing. Maybe that's why God's put those doubts in you, right? So let's talk about them. So I just want to open an invitation. If you're struggling with something, if you're wrestling with it, I promise that I'm probably doing that too each week. I read stories that are like, what is going on, right? And I study this stuff a ton and you have to just dig into it. And some things just are mysteries because that's who God is. He's bigger than us and he's good, right? And so we look to him. God creates stuff, and he gives it to us generously. And he says, hey, follow me. Do good, be fruitful, and multiply. Do we do that as humans, as humanity, as the story goes? Do we do that? No. We, we rebel against that. We are uh, deceived by the servant. We say, hey, we want to decide good and evil for ourselves, right? We want to do this. So we rebel, and we break this. We break this relationship with God. And then all of a sudden, evil, sin, death, corruption, chaos, disorder, things just get broken. And there's this broken relationship with God. And so God says, Y'all stink. I'm just going to destroy you all and start over with aliens on another planet. No! God continually intercedes. And that's the story we hear over and over and over, is that God intercedes. Does he only intercede to the super faithful people? No! Like, that's what's crazy, is you read these stories, and it's just a roller coaster. These people have moments of faithfulness, and then followed by tons of corruption and just screw-ups. Does that sound like your life? The author's doing something here. The author's inviting you into a mirror of how the world works, of how humanity works, right? And so we see these, and, and, and if you follow along, you can he, hear these stories. We, we looked at, like, from the beginning, we had um, uh, Adam and Eve, right? And then their children, and, and how that went, and that just goes through all of them. And then about to Noah, Noah's going to make it right because everyone's inclination is evil. But then does Noah turn out good? You know, we can go through all these characters, but it just keeps being a problem. But then we get Genesis 12, and we have this interesting verse in Genesis 12, uh, Genesis 12, 1 and 2. Now the Lord said to Abram, who's Abram? From where? Why? We don't know, just there. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation. The great I am is the one who I wills. He does it. That's so important. Pay attention as you read scripture to how many times God says, I will, I will. It's amazing. It's comforting. That's how I want a father to speak to me. I will, I will. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and to him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all families of the earth shall be blessed. Does God call out Abraham because he just likes him? He likes people from his land. He thinks he's got a good beard. He's got, he likes people named Sarai. No. We don't know why he calls him out, but we do know is that through him, he's going to bless everyone. And so anything, this is important, as you read these stories, as we talk about Israel, anything that God does for Israel, the purpose is to bless everyone through Israel. More on that later. We're going to talk about priests next week and things that specifically relate to us. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Hold on that thought. We'll get to that. So Abraham, he's going to do it. How's Abraham go? Pass or fail? Yeah, you're going to hear that every week. Like, man, what is the deal? And then last week we talked about Joseph, the great-grandson of Abraham. is a wild life. And Joseph's story is weird because there's all these things that happen to him that don't really seem like his fault. And it's like, so, so bad things keep happening. Evil keeps happening. And then you get to Genesis 50, 20, right? This is kind of the theme of all of Genesis. 
Joseph says to his brothers, they're cowering before him. They think he's going to wipe them out. And Joseph says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. We need to do some Hebrew and Greek together. Are you excited? Go like this if you like Hebrew. Yay. Okay, here we go. Right. So what is, uh, there's two main words here, right? They're conflicting. Oh, nope. Your, your spoiler alert. Go back. Calm down. Whoa, Joe or Wade. Two big words here, good and evil. Say good. good. Say evil. evil. Every superhero movie, who do you want to win? Good. What do we call them? The what guys? When you're a kid, you're like, I want the good guys. I want the bad guys. When you watch Power Rangers, you're rooting for the good guys, right? No one in here is rooting for the bad guys. Quit pretending. You want the good guys to win. You don't want chaos. Some men just want to watch the world burn. Yes, Alfred, but in general, people want goodness, right? Weird Batman quote, not in my notes, whatever. So the Hebrew word for good is, you can go to the next slide, it is tov. Tov equals good. God called seven things good when he created them. He spoke 10 times, he called seven things good. You know what word he used? Tov. When you see the word tov in Hebrew, it reminds you of what God does. Oof, this is going to get me emotional. It's so important. Y'all don't read Hebrew, that's why I don't either. I'm not some great Hebrew scholar. I just saw this theme, and then I started looking at it. It's like, whoa, Blue Letter Bible, when does tov come up? Over and over and over, God calls things good. Why? Because he is good. That is the message of Genesis. God is good, and he's constantly bringing about good. What's the word for evil? Ra! Say ra! It sounds like evil. If you're mad at someone, you don't have a word to say, and you don't want to use a curse word because that's not right. Right? You start barking. Maybe that's just me. Right? Ra equals evil. We're gonna we're just man seal this in your brain. This is so important. We're gonna come back to that. The Lord brings tov good from evil ra. Right? That's what we said. What you intended for ra. For evil, God used for Tov, just like the garden, just like when everything was right. Do you remember Tov? Do you remember when God said, this is good and this is good? And you're like, I've seen blades. I've seen grass. I've seen trees. These things are good. That's what God does. He creates Tov. And not only that, but all through Genesis, the story is humans. What do we do? Ra! over and over and over. And if you don't believe me, look around. Get on your Facebook. Tell me how happy you are with your friends and family and how they're approaching Facebook. You think they're idiots. You think you're right and they're wrong because they're raw and you're tove. Nah. God is tove. He is good. We bring raw. Everything you think is wrong, you have some complicity in. I promise. So how this all ripples, right? Your sin ripples to someone else, ripples to someone else, ripples to someone else. Here we are on earth. Welcome to earth. Raw. Raw earth. Here we are. Humans do raw. God does tove. Now, Keep that in your mind. Have you experienced in life something good coming from something evil? So many stories, man. There's so many stories. I had examples written here, and I could talk all hour, just forever, about I could talk about all the things that I did with broken relationships and all the girls I hurt and people I hurt, and then how God brought me kingdom to my life for no good reason. And how now I'm a father and have four kids, and I didn't ruin my life somehow with women. Like, God used all those bad experiences, and somehow something good is coming from them. I can talk about how we were so hurt by the church. I was so sick of traditional church and church people, and how they break people, and how they're mean, and how they get in politics, and then they argue over what chunk of gravel to put, or we have debates on how we should clear parking lots, and it goes on. I was like, I'm so sick of it. And then somehow, my wife 
said, hey, I'm going to go to Memorial Baptist with Kenny and Jesse Sunday morning. And I said, what a stupid name for a church. Why would I even go? And I pulled up the website and I saw that the pastor played racquetball. And I thought, at least I'll smoke some religious guy at racquetball. That's what I'll do. And then here we walked. We sat right there where uh, uh, Grace and uh, Ollie's sitting. We sat there and now I'm here. My evil heart that said, this is all stupid. Here I am. And I mean, I could tell story after story. Think in your life. This isn't about me. Where do you see God bringing good from evil? Most of the time you'll say, man, I, I, don't, I don't do much good. You'll have to say, man, I, a lot of things I'm trying to fabricate, all these good things, I don't deserve them and I didn't earn them. God is doing something good. God brings Tove. With that in mind, here we go into Exodus. God has one family. He's blessing them. Humans do raw. Exodus 1.6. Joseph dies, and everyone in that generation <laughs> usher them off the stage. Bye, Joseph. Bye, people. You gone. But Israel was fruitful and increased greatly. What does that sound like? Genesis 1. Be fruitful and multiply. Right? Genesis 1 and 2. Ah, so you read next. Here we go. This is what was supposed to happen, right? We're doing it. Good, good. Right? Jump to verse 8 and 9. Now there arose a new king over e Egypt who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. So they began to enslave them and inflict heavy burdens on them. Right? This have, we've heard this story before, right? Immigrants come in. They become powerful. Everyone gets fearful. Scarcity mentality. This is mine. My land. My culture. I'm going to control it. So then what? We squash people out, right? And so they have this idea. There's this really interesting part in here about the midwives and how God is working in ways you don't even realize. My goodness. Read that story about the midwives. Such a random story in Exodus. We don't have time to talk about it now. But it's fascinating. But here's this verse, verse 12. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread abroad. What? The more they were oppressed. Does that sound like how you spread, multiply, oppression, slavery? No. Sounds like Genesis 1 and 2, right? God brings Tov from Ra. God brings good from evil. Verse 22, Then Pharaoh commanded all the people, Every son that is born to all the Hebrews shall be cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. So this is Pharaoh. Pharaoh's big plan is what? It's going to throw the baby boys into the Nile. Don't let that skip over you. It's just like, oh yeah, I've heard that before. That's really terrible. That's a whole lot of babies being thrown into the river. Have you ever heard of like farm justice for cats or dogs? Uh, sorry, close your ears, cat and dog people. But I was really baffled to find out that in farm life, if you have a whole bunch of kittens or dogs and, and you don't want, you, you guys know where I'm going with this. Sometimes you just you dispose of them because you can't have cats and dogs anywhere. This is so much beyond that. I'm at, these are human lives just casting out and we just get a verse on it. It just happens. And then what happens next? A Hebrew boy does come from the Nile. Hold on. Listen to what the author's doing, people. Who comes from the Nile? What baby boy? You know his name. Say it like you mean it. Moses, right? Whoa! Pharaoh says, you know what? I'm going to stomp out these people. They keep multiplying. I can't stomp out, so we're going to kill all the baby boys. Throw them into the Nile. And then through the Nile, what does God do? He goes, it gets better than that, man. In uh, uh, verse... <coughs> Exodus 2.2. Who's got the Bible open? Look at Exodus 2.2. What kind of boy, what word is used to describe Moses? Beautiful? Fine, fine is the word. The word's fine. Some translate, if you've got the old King James, it says goodly. You know what that word is? Toe, baby. Woo! You've you got to catch this, right? So you're reading the story. So here's Pharaoh. 
Oh my gosh, he's crushing our people. God said he was going to bless us and we, we keep, but we're under this oppression. So we're spreading like we're supposed to, but it's awful because our babies are being thrown in the Nile. But God, he raises up a tove baby boy. And that boy is saved through the Nile. Eat that, Pharaoh. You're going to kill him by the Nile? I'm going to raise him up from the Nile because what you intended for evil, God uses for good. And do you think all the Israelites were sitting around saying, ah, yes, well, we have the boy in the river. No, they didn't know. No one knew. But God knew. God knew what he was doing. You don't know. You don't know. You're looking at your circumstance like, please, relate this. Don't just hear me flap about scripture. Put it in your life. You've got all this stuff you could list right now. If we were in some sort of counseling session, we sat back and said, okay, tell me what's going on. And you tell me all these awful things going on. I'd say, how is God working it for the good? You might say, I don't know. What boy's in the river? You don't know. You don't, that's the point. What we do know is God. The scriptures are telling us who God is. Moses is great. Great story about Moses, but Moses ultimately fails. Moses ultimately is not the perfect guy. But what does God do? God brings tov from ra. God brings good from evil over and over and over. So Moses is raised up. Uh, He kills a guy, hot-tempered, potentially, depending on how you read it. And then he flees to Midian, meets his wife. Yay, right? And then uh, he has a big experience on a mountain with a kind of tree-type thing. What is it? You remember? It's a burning bush, right? How many of you have seen a burning bush that never stops burning? Yeah, no one, right? So big deal, right? Exodus 3, 8, God says, and I have come down to deliver them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up to a land that is good and broad, a land flowing with milk and honey. You know what word he uses for good? What is Tove land? Who creates Tove land? God creates Tove land. Don't let this just be an annoying Hebrew thing. Uh, just imagine this for a minute. Maybe, maybe you've missed it, so I'm just going to make it real obvious for you. If there is a God, if he loves you, if he's trying to communicate to you, did he write this story for you to read? And if he did, what themes, what things is he trying to communicate to you about himself? He creates good things. You break good things. That's what you do. So are you hopeless now? The God who's good just says, get out of here. You're wrecking all your dad's stuff. You stink. No. God takes your badness and he turns it into good because of who he is. He can't not do that. That's what he does. And he certainly punishes evil. And he certainly brings judgment and justice. More on that in a minute. But for now, remember, God brings good. And so as we're reading this and we're seeing, whoa, 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 why is all this stuff happening? Because God brings good. So apply it to your life. I mean, I don't need to get up here and give you all these cheesy analogies about turtle on fence posts or whatever. Just think, you're critical people. Think about your life. What's not working out? How are you looking to the Lord? Later on in Exodus 6, God says this. Here's the money. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery. I will. The great I am. I am who I am. Tell them I am has sent you. I will deliver you from slavery and I will redeem you with outstretched arms and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptian. He will deliver, and he will redeem. Say, he will deliver. He will redeem. This is what God does. Because he's bringing good from evil. How does he bring good from evil? Well, he delivers and he redeems. This is it. You see, 
the author here, he's writing, God inspires this person. I keep saying the author because Moses might have written it. We can argue about that. Moses definitely wrote a large majority chunk of it. But also, it's written about how Moses died, so he probably didn't write that part. So what, whatever. The author is inspiring you. God is inspiring the author to let you know, wait a minute, who does good things? God. How does he do them? He's going to deliver and redeem. It's one of the first times the word redeem is used here. Ga'al is the Hebrew word. He's going to deliver and redeem. God is the God who delivers and redeems. This is why Pharaoh, think about this. Which Pharaoh is Pharaoh? Is it Ramesses, like the prince of Egypt said? No, no, no. So Pharaoh's never mentioned. Why? Because this story is both specific and general. This story forms a pattern. You'll hear Hebrews pull back to this story over and over and over. They call back to it. Even in the New Testament, they call back to it. They remember their slavery in Egypt. They remember the wandering in the wilderness. These stories serve as a pattern for them of how God, who is our God? He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God who delivers and redeems. Be it Pharaoh, whoever, right? Assyria, Babylon, whatever it is, pick your thing finances, cruddy marriage, crippling addiction, anger that I can't get over. God is the God who delivers. He redeems. How does he do that? Well, it says he's going to inflict acts of judgment. God brings good from evil in the pathways, deliverance and redemption. His deliverance and redemption are seen several small stories over and over and over, right? We've got the big story that we're talking about. Every week, I'm going to be talking about the big story. That's why you get this Tob and Ra stuff, right? This is your money. You can take this through the whole Bible. And by the way, these words aren't always used because the author's more creative than that. You start reading, hey, is, does it literally need to be called Ra when babies are thrown into the Nile? No, it doesn't need to be called Ra because it is Ra, right? And so you start seeing this theme, right? These things happen over and over and over. So God's going to be doing this thing. But as he's doing it, the big story is now he's saying, I'm going to provide deliverance and redemption through judgment and justice over Egypt. How does he do that? You guys who read the story know the story. What does he do to judge Egypt? Ten. Ten plagues, right? More on that in a minute. And then also in that, the story halts. If you, I don't want to have yours in hand, if you read through Exodus this last week, you get this moment where you're reading the narrative and you're like, plague, plague, plague. Diatribe between Moses and Aaron and, and Pharaoh and plague, plague, plague. And then all of a sudden it just stops. And you have two chapters about what? Meh. Passover. It's weird. Listen, we over like religious this and we're like, oh yeah, I've heard this story before. If you're just reading it as a story, it's a weird stop. It's like, oh gosh, here's the action. What's going to happen? What's God going to do? Meh. Those are the Passover noises, right? It's like, oh my gosh, this is so much like, go ahead and burn it and make sure you eat all the intestines and all this. It's like so much specific instruction. God is going to deliver and redeem. How's he going to do that? What's God going to do? He's going to judge. He's going to judge and bring his justice to Egypt, but he's going to provide a substitutional sacrifice. That's what the author's telling us. And now you see, wait, this theme ripples, right? We're going to talk about both those things. Let's look at the plagues. Uh, name some plagues. You guys, you Bible people, Sunday school teachers, you love this stuff. This is your time. Name some plagues. There's frogs. How many of you have seen more frogs than you can imagine? How many of you have seen frogs that die and then stink up the place? Yeah, it's a terrible story, right? What else happens? Boils, right? Uh, blood? Yeah, blood. Dude, mm, Nile blood, that's a big one. We'll come back to that. What else? Uh, gnats? Locusts, that's right. Bugs? Dude. Uh, there was a year when my buddy moved to Jeff City, and it was one of the years of the cicadas. There is a hot place in Hades for cicadas. Oh, man. Nothing turns me into a 10-year-old girl quicker than cicadas. It's just like you're running, and then... Oh, man. 
I'm so mad thinking about it. I need to calm down. Like, oh my gosh. But so I remember I was moving my buddy's stuff and like these, it was the, the red ones. You know what I'm talking about? They're like have a black and red tint to them. Not the big green ones. It's like the ones that come out every 15th blue moon or whatever. And they come from the pits of Hades. So I'm like whacking. I'm carrying his stuff and then like just hitting these things. Man. Anyway, locusts. Uh, it's maybe different, but whatever. Now, you know, that's my little thought on bugs. All these plagues happen. Two things you need to know about the plagues. This is important, right? This is God's divine judgment. And how does God bring his divine judgment? He starts dismantling what? The created order. Tobu vavohu. The world was formless and void. How was the world originally? It was explained. We talked about this. We're up here. It was dark. It was formless. It was chaotic. Right? And now what is God doing? What are the last two plagues, by the way? Darkness and death. Whoa. Any Hebrew reading Genesis 1, they would say, hey, this land that is like a desert land, but also like these wild waters, they would see this as a dead place. No one lives there. This is wild chaos. And then God's spirit hovers and creates order. When you read the plagues, God is literally dismantling the created order. And he does it 10 times. In Genesis, how many times does he speak? 10 times. So good. My goodness. The author's doing something here. So he's saying, look at what God does. Here's the more important part. In Egypt, what did you worship? You worship the sun. You worship the Nile. You worship gods of creatures, of livestock. So if you're an Egyptian, you also worship, do you know who the main one you worship is? Pharaoh. You know what Pharaohs were called? Sons of God. Sons of the gods is what they were called. You worship them. Right? Uh, all cultures pick up on this. Babylon, Assyria, eventually Rome, potentially American, other cultures. Like You have a leader and you tend to worship them and think they're above everyone else because of whatever. And so these people believe that this leader was selected by God to be above all them. And God steps in and says, hey, the Egyptians watching, imagine you're a common Egyptian. You worship the God of the Nile. And then this Hebrew God turns it all to blood. Like, hold on, hold on. This God is King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You have no rival. You have no equal. When we sing these songs, man, imagine the people watching this. See, God just dismantling creation. He's dismantling. And then, then these firstborn babies die. Pharaoh's son, who should be the next Lord, the next chosen by the gods. God says, no, I'm above that. Now, this story makes you uncomfortable, and it should. Come on, come on with it. God kills babies. Pharaoh killed babies. God, hold on. Now, listen. Sin and death and evil will be punished. You can, if you love someone, you don't let them destroy their lives and destroy others. You speak against it. And in fact, at some point, you lock someone up because you care about them so much they can't help themselves. And in fact, at some point, there's a line where you, they, end their, they just go. They're gone. You can't do anything for The Lord loves you, and he will have justice. And so now we start seeing this tension in Scripture where God is just, and he is right. He is good. He's creating good things. But this evil can't be around him. And so if God's going to bring goodness from evil, he's got to eradicate the evil. Now oh, it's the mirror thing. Wait a minute. What if I'm evil? What is, how does Pharaoh respond? Maybe this will help. How does Pharaoh respond to all of these plagues? What does it, it would say? There's a prayer. His heart hardens. Now, here's the trick question. Who hardens his heart? Uh, yeah, right, right. So it's tricky because several, God says, I will harden his heart, right? But then the author specifically says, Pharaoh hardened his heart at least twice. And so what, what do we do with that? Yes, the author wants you to not understand how God works in this. Why? Because the author wants you to understand, hey, you know what? 
You can harden your heart and you can turn away from God. And eventually God will let you. Eventually God will harden your heart because God will bring good from evil. And if you choose evil, you will be separated from him. This is another theme in scripture that we like to avoid because we want to believe God gives everyone second chances. God gave Pharaoh at least 10 chances. So don't be so harsh on God here, right? Now, let's talk about Passover lamb. Tell me just anything you know about the Passover lamb. That's right. Yeah. You you said inspect it four days. Right. So very careful. This is a very special lamb. You raised it specifically for this purpose, right? Has potentially a good life, whatever. There's arguments on whether it lived in the home or not, whatever. But then you kill it, right? What do you do with the lamb? You paint its blood. The people, God said, God, man, don't miss this. The problem is that God is tov. He is good. Humans do raw and evil. And God says, I will redeem and deliver. But there has to be justice and judgment. There has to be. And we want that. Do you want the bad guys to be punished? Do you want the bad guys to be right? Yes, that's the point of every good movie. Bad guys get punished. And even if they're forgiven, it's because they've in some way exonerated themselves that I'm going to do the right thing now, right? And if they choose not to, this is the story that God's written in our fabric. We understand this. But we don't like it when it's turned against us. We say, oh, wait a minute. But don't judge me. Don't, don't look at me, but what if you are evil? Hold on, what if you do evil? Now you have a problem, because you don't just do good. In fact, you don't bring good from evil. Only God does that. God provides this substitution. This lamb it says, if you paint it on the door, the blood of the lamb, you literally be under the blood of the lamb, and the angel of the Lord will pass over, and you won't die. As Christians, what do we hear? Just say it. What a beautiful name. Who are we talking about? Say it. Say it like you're listening. We're talking about Jesus, right? Now, here's the thing. Did the Hebrews read this? Did the author, did they know this was Jesus? They understood that God, the God who is bringing deliverance and redemption, the God who's saying, I'm going to bring good from evil, and I have to justly judge those who are evil. They also understood, wait, there is this substitutionary sacrifice. And you're going to see this theme over and over in Scripture. It's going to get unpacked more. There's going to get a lot of specifics and nuances to it. But in general, something must be sacrificed. And then you get Jesus picking up on this analogy in Luke 22. This Passover meal they're celebrating. This start of their year. This big deal to remember. You will remember what the Lord does. How he's delivered you. This is church why we gather. This is why we worship. Because we forget over and over. And so we have these moments to remember. This is why we do the Lord's Supper. Because Jesus said, this is my blood being shed, the blood of the new covenant, right? God is going to bring good from evil, but he has to, in order to do that, he must bring judgment. So we see in the story, because he's just. And so as he begins to do that, what happens, right? That means all of us are toast. God says, no, there's, there's a way. There's a substitutional sacrifice. Doorposts on the blood, Israel being over it. They remember this. God is showing that he is both merciful and just. If you want to understand how this God can be merciful and just, first of all, just look to parents, right? Because God's written this on our hearts too. We justly want our kids to understand right from wrong and wrong things create chaos and disorder and all, but then we also constantly show mercy. And a lot of times it's at our expense, right? I don't get to go to a cool event because I have to stay home with my kid because they're being punished. And so I'm taking on part of their punishment too. Now, hold on. We see God doing the same thing. God says there's a substitution. Ultimately, we see King Jesus brutally killed, died, but he didn't just die. He rose again, defeating death and sin and darkness so that through believing in him, we could be made right. God could ultimately bring good from all evil forever. 
gives us his spirit, writes in our heart. Man, we don't have time for all that. So that's it, right? That's what happens for Israel. Good job. They did the Passover, and uh, Pharaoh says, See ya, your God's bigger than me. And then everything's happy, right? Keep reading, man. Like, this is, man, you want to root for these people, right? Israelites, are these Israelites the good guys? Come on. Yeah, they're the, I mean, we know for sure they're not. But we're rooting for them. God's delivering them. They're his people. And they're going to bless us, right? If you're a 21st century Western American, raise your hand. That's all of us. Right. How, are we Jewish? Are you an Israelite? Are you Hebrew? Probably not. So how do, oh, bless for all nations, right? So they're going to be blessed for us. And here we are. Thank you. But then we can't root for them because they stink. Right? There's so many things we could say about uh, uh, the Red Sea and God partying and coming through. But it's interesting that right after God does all this stuff, they have it. Man, if you read the story, stop, to, stop this week. Maybe with your, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, with your, uh, your spouse, just by yourself. Call up a, a relative. Just read Genesis 15. It's like a little, little pause. And it's a song. It's the first worship song in scripture. It's beautiful, right? And it's telling the story. They're going to sing and worship this, right? It's similar to us singing the great I am. Remember who God is. What a beautiful name. You have no rival. You have no equal. That's what they're doing. They're singing it. And what do they do immediately after that? Genesis 6, uh, right after that. What's that, what's that happens? Oh, the water stinks. It's bitter. Morah. It's bitter water, God. If only we were in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here with bad water and we don't have any food? Remember the fish in Egypt? Remember the leeks and the melons? It's like, and it's not just that. It is consistent. Like, if you're reading this, please, as you're reading these stories, just, to, just feel the whininess. I listen on the app. I listen to the guy read it to me sometimes. And Nikki and I read it. And the guy uh, in the ESV translation, the guy who does the voice, he puts on this whiny, gruffly old man voice when he reads it. It's so funny. because He's like, man, I always remember. And that's what you feel. The author's doing that on purpose because you're, we're rooting for them. They're the good guys, right? Nah, they're a mirror. They're a mirror. How many good things does God give us that we decide to corrupt and question and say, why God? Remember when things were better? What if I just had more money? What if I just had this job? If only I got married. What if I had a different spouse? What if I, oh, if only I never had this addiction. If only I had more addiction. If only I had bigger check money constantly. We take these good things God's given us. You have a job. Praise God, right? You have children. You have, no, no. We turn it into raw. Now, here's that. We're, we're coming to a close now. You've been on this ride with me. This has been a roller coaster. Here's what we do. This is God. Oops. This is God all through scripture. He is this consistent line. He sets the standard. He is good. He's just this big line pointing to good. All these characters we read, this is them, right? Pew. 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 Oh, oh, ah, right? Close your eyes. Remember, I can see if you don't do this. I'm not going to sneak up on you and tickle you. It's okay. Close your eyes. Just let your mind, the Spirit of God, whatever, whatever is moving in you right now, just, just let parts of your life play in your mind. Just take a few minutes. What are the, what are the memories that come to your mind? We're fighting for the good memories. But I bet if you're honest, you're seeing this. Look up here. This is what you're seeing. Do this exercise any point today. Do this any time this week. Is your life this roller coaster? Or would you say, that's why people say, what a ride. 
What a ride this life has been, man. Because it is. It's up and down, right? This is not our life. We bring ra, 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 ra. Oh, here's a little tobe. No, ra, 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 ra. Say ra. Man. As we read these stories, these are our people. This is our mirror. And the God who's consistent, who constantly is good. Is he constantly saying, no, you, you come up to me, you come up to me. God constantly, gracefully steps down. He provides his judgment and justice while also giving us his substitutional sacrifice. God will deliver and redeem. He has. King Jesus, what a beautiful name. He will also punish with his divine judgment and justice. And we, we want that. We want him to be a good father who does that. But when it turns on us and we realize, man, I have raw, I have evil. Man, God might need to wipe me out to do good. Now, now what do you do? Luke twenty two nineteen. 19, Jesus says, he took the bread, he gave thanks and he broke it. He says, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance to me. Remember me, remember me, Jesus says. In the same way, he took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant of my blood, which he poured out for you. Remember me. Remember King Jesus. Every week, that's what we're going to say. Please remember Jesus. And I can fight so hard to apply that to your personal life, but I want the Spirit of God to apply it to your life. Where are you not remembering Jesus? Where are you only seeing Ra? And right now you're sitting there just in Ra. Maybe you're apathetic and you don't even want to believe in this. You see this middle zone as everything is meh. It's not Toba Ra. It's meh. Stop it. Open your eyes. The world is full of Ra, and you're a part of it. And I'm not here to judge you and squash you. I'm here to point you to the truth of Scripture. We've broken it. And the only one that can fix it is the new covenant in His blood. He was sacrificed, and under that lamb, you can be made right. You can be delivered and redeemed. Otherwise, you're just under Ra. That's who you are. 1 Peter 2.24, He Himself bore our sins on His body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds, you have been healed. This morning, I want to ask you, is your heart hardened? It's so hard to, yeah, I don't know where you're at. I don't know how to apply this to you specifically because it's so, it's so big, yet it applies to every area of your life. Start thinking of the roles in your life, your job, your spouse, your parenting, your hobbies. Are you seeing God's tove in those things? Is he the one that's defining the goodness of your hobbies, the goodness of your marriage, the goodness of your kids, the goodness of your job, the goodness of your life? Is that him or is it all on you? Because you go and bring Ra. That's what's going to happen. That's these stories. They're a mirror. And you're going to complain. And you're going to... So what's your hope? Look to Jesus. Say, King Jesus, how do I approach this hobby? How do you bring goodness in this? What did you give? If you created the world for good, and fly fishing is for your glory and good, how do I fly fish for your glory? How do I work at the, the tax office for your glory? How do I be retired for your glory? How do I be a grandpa for your glory? That's the question God's looking for. Because he's the one that brings tove. And he does that through people he redeems and delivers. And he's redeemed and delivered you through King Jesus. So maybe this morning, you need to stop having a hard heart. And you say, I'm going to look to Jesus. Maybe that's, that's you this morning. Maybe this morning, you say, man, I've just forgotten. I need to remember. I need to remember that I'm under the blood of the Lamb. That, that I need to quit looking to all the rah, all the evil around me. I need to look to Jesus, the one who's ultimately bringing all tov, all goodness.
Each week I feel compelled to read how people responded to Peter in Acts 2. So we're going to put it on the screen. I'm going to read it. And then we're going to pray and have a time of response. Before I do that, here's some ways you can respond. Sit in your seat and open your hands to God. Say, you are the God who brings good from evil. And these are the evils I see in my life. And I only trust you for goodness. Maybe you need to respond and say, I've never given my life to you, Jesus. I trust you. And thank you that you've put me in this opportunity this morning to hear your gospel, to trust in you. Because only you can be the substitutionary sacrifice for my sin, my rock, my evil. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've never joined a church and you say, man, I, I, I don't know how to do this thing. I want to follow Christ, I want, but I struggle. This is why we have the church. More on that next week. We're going to hit that hard. But this is why we're here. This is why we gather and worship, to grow to be like Christ, to worship, connect, grow, and go together as one body, one faith, one baptism. Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe you need to be baptized. Here's what Peter said. They said, what do we do with the gospel? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. Is your heart hardened this morning? Do you see God bringing Tov from Ra? Are you looking to him for goodness? Let's pray. God, these things seem so big. And I feel so, feel so small trying to discuss them and talk about them and push these realities. God, I, I, don't, I don't know. We look to you, King Jesus the author and perfect of our faith. God, I pray right now for those in here that don't know you, for those who, who you're leading to make some decision, that you're working out some goodness that they can't even see, that we can't even see as, as your church, as individuals. God, I pray that we would be bold enough to obey, to look to you, to trust you as you've called us. God, may we look to Jesus through his blood, the new covenant, the new humanity that you've made righteous in you. Guide us as we respond, as we worship you, King Jesus.